Hello and welcome to Daddy Issues, the podcast where we talk about father and son relationships in popular culture. Last week, Sean Connery died. We had mixed feelings about it, so I'm here with David Bryan today to talk about Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Dave, how are you doing? I'm great, Dom. Nice to see you. I'm really enjoying how frequently we get to talk to each other now with this uh, lockdown thing going on. <laughs> this whole yeah, lockdown great. thing, I don't know if you've heard about it. Well, depending when the 15 people who have listened to this are listening to it, um, either Joe Biden is now the president of, America, of the United States, which he has not been... Uh, we're still waiting to get that confirmation through. Um, you may be out of lockdown, or you may not be. So depending on your, how hopeful you are for the future, um, either president or dead president Biden is in power. Uh, and maybe three years later, we're all still in lockdown. But, <laughs> yeah. Depends how efficient yeah. we are on the post-production part of this uh, podcast. Yes. We're yeah. not the most reliable. Yeah, God. But also, this hell is stretching on forever. There's that weird time-warping thing where uh, the election results stuff in America was on, was Tuesday, Wednesday morning. Um, and now it feels like it's been 10 years since they tried to decide who the president of America was going to be. Yeah. And it's the same with lockdown as well. It, with lockdown, it feels like um, we've been in it since Thursday, but it, it feels like it's never ended. We've, we've forever been trapped down. So this is lockdown two, November 2020. What's happened? And then Sean Connery died. Last thing we needed. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's on my list of last things I needed in 2020. Number 17 was Sean Connery's death. <laughs> yeah, and it's only an 18 and... uh, long list, so... <laughs> yes, yeah. It was a... Oh, God. Well, yeah. this seemed like a, a great movie to, to pick up as we kind of stumbled upon it during our, our recording last week of a, a father-son relationship. Is The Last Crusade a movie that you grew up watching, or is it like one that you kind of just came upon later? Actually, I came upon this one later, but I did remember I have did watch Raiders of the Lost Ark a lot when I was a kid. Um, mm. That would yeah, that would go on constantly, and I'm sure I did probably saw this one once or twice, but nowhere near as many times. And I don't think we ever watched Temple of Doom as a kid because my parents were um, scared of monkeys. Not scared of monkeys, scared of uh, mad voodoo witch doctor kind of people who rip hearts out through people's chests. And that's not the kind of thing my Christian parents were particularly keen on showing to their children. <laughs> when it wasn't like it did a favourable image of the voodoo witch doctors. It wasn't like you were going to be seduced into taking up the voodoo practices. Yeah, oh, this looks funny. This might have all the answers, you know. Oh, Kalima. Kalima. Okay. It makes sense. Now bring me the dog. <laughs> no. <laughs> Yeah, I think for for me, um, when I was younger, I definitely watched Raiders and Last Crusade the most. Um, Temple of Doom is it's just slow. Uh, I think it, it's got its pros and cons, but um, as our culture becomes more and more uh, critical of the way things were perceived in the past, I think Temple of Doom is going to be the one of these three movies that kind of gets um, swept under the rug a little bit. Yeah, or, um, I think you're right yeah, there. Someone's going to have to apologise for it at some point, you know what I mean? Like... <laughs> yeah, they probably should. It's particularly for, um, I know the 
the female character in that movie. I don't even remember who it was, what the character's name was. She yes. just says indie in a high-pitched squeal all the time. And I'm basing yes. that off of the Family Guy parody of Temple of Doom <laughs> and not an actual memory of the movie. Um, but yeah, yeah, I don't imagine that um, in, the, in with, a, with a modern lens uh, is particularly appropriate. <laughs> I can't imagine it being no. made now, that's for sure. And I think I was reading that the the female character, the main female character in Last Crusade was a kind of a reaction to how uh, <laughs> how they used a woman in the second one and how she was, uh, how what the reaction to her was. Yeah. Well, let's get, let's get on to The Last Crusade then. So the reason we're talking about this is, of course, is because uh, Sean Connery passed away last week. And this is a classic father-son adventure movie with Sean Connery as... Uh, Henry Jones to Harrison Ford's Indiana Jones, despite the fact there's only a 12-year difference in between the ages of the actors, they are playing father and son. Oh, but there's only that. 12, there's only 12 years. But I completely buy it. There's never a point in this movie where I'm like, well, he didn't even have pubes before his son was born. <laughs> no, I I would not have guessed that. No, it's completely believable. Either Sean Connery looks older than he really is or I think it's probably that actually because I thought I was looking at Sean Connery's um, filmography and it was a ma- only mm. a matter of a few years before this that he did his last Bond film so what was that Never Say Never Again in 83 this comes out yeah. in 89 so only six years has gone past for him yeah, being but... like young and suave and well I guess he was kind of middle-aged but he didn't look like an old man and they make him look like a granddad somehow or he makes himself uh, looking like a granddad in this one yeah, that's the weird unofficial Bond movie, I think. That one oh, is it? because it's after yeah, it's after Roger Moore and George Lazenby and and that group. They made like a an unofficial one, like an unlicensed Bond movie with oh, right. Sean Connery back just, again as James Bond. Yeah, just to bring him back. Yeah, I think so. And uh I I think that's the one where he pretends to be a Japanese person. Oh, speaking of things we shouldn't talk about or be swept under the rug. <laughs> never, <laughs> yeah, never yeah. To be I'm pretty sure. I think they give him like Vulcan eyebrows. That sounds uh, really familiar, him... actually. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, and he's oh, like dear. in the the Japanese sauna with his very hairy chest, and <laughs> it's, it's it's maybe we have to check this out, but never talk about it. Um, but yeah, yeah. So. I guess that's a good a good place to start with this. Do you believe the father and son relationship between Harrison Ford and Sean Connery in this? As yeah. father and son. Yeah, absolutely. I buy it from square one. And as as we we just touched on, I hadn't really I'd seen this film a few times probably in my in my lifetime. Um but I didn't remember much of it, especially at the beginning. I was think, watching it kind of with fresh eyes. But what struck me throughout is how good this film is. It's brilliant. Mm. There, there's, there's very few um, flaws I could pick out and things that I would have done better or anything like that. I thought it was great. And obviously the key part of that is the relationship between the father and son. And I know that was a big uh, a big drive for Spielberg and probably with George Lucas too. And the the other one, there's the three, <laughs> the three the three guys. Yes. I know that this the story was by Lucas and some other dude, mystery man, um, obviously directed by Steven Spielberg. So... Jeffrey Bohm. Jeffrey Bohm. Thank you very much. Um, 
so I know that when they were throwing thrashing around ideas for what the third one could be, I know there was talk of uh, Indiana Jones with ghosts in a haunted house, and there was like Indiana Jones and <laughs> something else kind of that sounds lame in retrospect. Um, and then when they went for the Holy Grail, they thought that was a cool idea, but there wasn't much spectacle, and not like the Ark of the Covenant, like that kind of was the mm. real um, set piece that defined the movie in Raiders of the Lost Ark. Um, this needed more, and I think they really wanted to explore more about what Indy's character was, more of his history, and more of what made him who he is. So I, they had to put a lot of um, depth and weight onto that relationship, and I think they they really pulled it off, both with scripting, casting, performance, and you know Spielberg, being a master filmmaker, he puts it all together pretty nicely. Yeah, I think yeah, that's that's very true. Um... It's one thing I noticed about this this movie that I hadn't really noticed before, but it does not let up. Like the action scenes uh, in this are like are five or ten minutes each one, and it's really weird watching it in comparison to the way that you have like um, action or adventure movies now, where it's like uh, okay you've got a two minute action scene and then we cut for ten minutes away from action and then you'll come back again. Within this one, it's like they just keep going and going and going. Yeah. Um. It's like the every time they're trying to escape from the Nazis or something, it just keeps going and going. It's like first there's guys on motorbikes, then they cross through the border, then there's an aeroplane, then they get off the aeroplane, they're on the beach, and it's just just keeps like it's that. I think it's a it's the Spielberg kind of um, action where. Each uh, each action scene builds on itself, right? So it's not just like a car chase. It's like, okay, there's a car chase, and then, and then, and then, and then it builds up and up and up. Like, I think the best example is the tank, ch- uh, the tank chase in the desert at the yeah. uh, at the end, where they're, they're just viewing, they're, they're just there watching the tanks, but then it gets ambushed. So in the ambush, Indy goes to try and rescue his father, but in trying to rescue his father, he ends up, chasing the tank on a horse then he loses the horse and he's on the tank then he's hanging off the edge of the tank on the barrel like they're gonna crash him into the wall then he gets back up on the tank gets his dad out but then the tank's out of control and he goes off the edge of the cliff it's like 15 minutes it's like a 15 minute action sequence and it's full of tension and emotion and um it's brilliant it's just so much thought and care put into that action scene rather than just cut into the interior of a car Dominic Toretto moves it up another gear you thought <laughs> yeah. there wasn't another gear in the Seventh car gear, but there bloody gear, is <laughs> yeah yeah and it's not just it's not just an actor sitting on a sound stage going okay um now look upset okay great now something scary is going to happen right it's like they've actually put Harrison Ford on the edge of this tank, bashing him into a yeah. wall. That's actually <laughs> him. I, know, um, the, the, I think, uh, what's the guy's name? The the legendary stuntman who was his stunt double, and I think the coordinator for this. Is it Vic Anderson? Viv? No, Viv Anderson's a footballer. I can't remember his name. Or something <laughs> Maybe like that. it's the Vic same guy. Could be. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, he was... Uh, Harrison Ford was... Um, 
so keen to do all of his own stunts that this guy who is a legendary stuntman one of the best in the business um a legend um had to kind of go hey Harrison, do you mind if I do one? Because <laughs> he was just stood there letting Harrison Ford do all the work. And I think I read um, that he said if Harrison Ford wasn't any good as an actor, he would have been an amazing stuntman. He just wants to do That's it all cool. himself. And yeah, the bit where he's dangling off the barrel of the um, thing. And it's that is looks so sketchy because that's a real rock. Mm. And that's, you know, mm. at least a, a piece of large machinery that's on the other side of him. And I know they're like, they were like stage hands, like shoveling dirt in his face from above and and all that stuff. Yeah. But the, yeah, that's such a, a great sequence, as you said. And the, another great example of that ramping up uh, the peril and mm-hmm. the, the action onto action onto action while progressing a story um, is where he goes to rescue his dad from the castle. And yes. you, you think that yeah. they go through all these hijinks, they get captured and then they escape. And yeah, I'm sure we'll go into more detail because it's so much fun. Um, but then they get out of the castle and I know that, again, re- in, in researching this, the script originally was called for that to be the end. And then there was just like talky bits. I'm guessing as yeah. Indy and, and Dad, what's it, Henry? <laughs> I keep, I, in all my yeah. notes, I kept calling him Dad. Maybe we'll get into the psychology of that. <laughs> um, with Indy and Henry are in the, in the motorcycle. Maybe that was, that was yeah. just going to be dialogue. But then Spielberg was like, why don't we just keep it going? Make that into a chase sequence. And that's one of right, my favorite right. favorite sequences, especially for some of the dynamics between the two characters. Yes, um, yes. Because, yeah, it just goes and goes and goes and goes and goes. And, uh, yeah, that's, I think maybe that's part of Spielberg's enduring, enduring legacy, something he just does better than anyone. And I don't know, I haven't watched, to be fair, I, and to be honest, I haven't watched many of Spielberg's more recent films, but through the 80s and 90s, he was the man for adventure, for, like, family-friendly mm-hmm. adventure movies, even if it had a lot of action. And he could do it in a way where the action never got too too adult, too perilous, too graphic. It it was fun, even though like stuntmen and bad guys here and there being exploded and going th- going mm. through these heinous <laughs> crashes. You never once go, oh, that was a bit much. And they they kind of disguise a lot with explosions. Do you remember the scene in Venice, the boat race, the boat boat chase? Yes, and yeah. they're going through. Um, between two large tankers and Indy's like I said don't go between them and she was like I thought you said go between them and he was like I said don't go between them um, yeah <laughs> and the, the they obviously just get through in the end but then the bad guys they get crushed and for some reason the boat that they're in the little boat that gets crushed between two larger boats explodes and I was thinking at the time like without that explosion what you would see is men <laughs> being crushed into pieces or like getting decapitated yeah. Yeah. so the inappropriately large explosion kind of just disguises that it's like and the bad guys uh dare to say that they're dead and we can carry on on this fun adventure kids are loving it yeah. parents are loving it uh, and that's yeah that's kind of spielberg's jam i think the last film i yeah, can remember I think... watching of his like that was tintin which i don't know when was that 2003 or something yeah yeah i think a, a really uh good example of that kind of action sequence outside of these movies, which is where I think he's perfected it, but is um, Velociraptors in the kitchen in the first Jurassic Park, yeah. where it, it, that, that scene with the kids and the Velociraptors just builds and builds and doesn't let up. And, you, and then they get out of the kitchen and you think, oh, thank God, they found 
they found Dr. Grant again. They're going to be okay. But the velociraptors aren't going to stop just because the adults have arrived. Right? Like, as a kid watching that movie, you see the adults appear and you think, oh, well, those children will be safe now because the adults, you know, the adults are here. But it's not enough. It's not enough to keep them to keep them safe. And that action scene just keeps going and going um, and really holds. Yeah, really holds that tension, which is Spielberg. There you go. This is this is ten. This is uh, welcome to Spielberg issues. Where we, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think the the relationship between Indy and his dad is really, really special and unique. And kind of as you said before, um, is the, is one hundred percent the heart and soul of this movie. Um, I was trying to think of a comparative father and son relationship within movies like this and the only one i could think of is ben stiller and dustin hoffman in meet the fuckers where you have this protagonist and they love their dad and want their father's approval but also they're horribly embarrassed by them and that's part of the relationship with with indy and his dad is that indy indiana has it feels weird calling him Indiana. Indiana Jones. <laughs> Indiana Jones. Indiana Jones. Yeah. Indiana Jones. Yes, right. That yeah. One. Yeah. If you know the correct Indiana, yeah. Indiana Jones is we we realize is completely following in his father's footsteps in in everything that he's done with his life, um, except for he's also become an, an action hero, which plays into some of that father and son son dynamic. But uh, Sean Connery's Henry Jones is. Uh, a professor of medieval literature. So Indiana Jones becomes an archaeologist and follows in his, you know, his father's footsteps. And we see at the beginning of the movie where young, amazing River Phoenix is playing, uh, is playing young Indiana Jones. Um, uh, his father makes him count in Greek, and uh, we know this is where he's got his amazing skill for like translation and. We get a lot of that back and forth between them, especially like those similarities between them as it goes on. Yeah. But Indiana Jones is very frustrated by his father and is frustrated in the way that his father is an old man. And um, it's like the number of times where he's like, Dad! (laughs) <laughs> like that, right? Where it's just like, come on, come on. Like, well, you stop hanging around. You know, this is important. You're not taking this seriously enough. And there's not many father-son relationships like that in movies where that I can think of. I don't know if there's any other examples that you can think of where the 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 son is so frustrated that their dad isn't taking things seriously enough. I can't think of any other examples off the top of my head, no. But it, yeah, it, I, it did struck me how, did strike me, sorry, how Indy does treat his dad like the sidekick of of the movie, mm-hmm. like the bum, the bumbling kind of psychic character. And the only time they kind of connect is when they uh, are talking about academic things. So the the scene where we first kind of see them interact when Indy rescues his dad from that, um, from the Nazis in that castle. And yeah. And he gets hit over the head with the vase. He smashes him over the head with the vase and the <laughs> vase. Why are we saying vase? He gets smashed over the head Sorry. with a vase, Ming dynasty, yes. 14th Apologies. century or whatever it is. And, um, before even, uh, recognizing that his son is here and 
that he just smashed him over the head with a vase. Damn it. I had to kind of catch myself there. Um, <laughs> his first instinct is to check, is to go to the, the light and have a look at this vase and be like, oh, that's a damn shame. And then he realizes, and then you feel when India kind of comes over and is like, by the way, you just smashed me over the head. Hi, I'm your son. Nice to see you. And he kind yeah. of, dad kind of softens. Henry kind of softens. And then you realize it's just because he realizes that vase is fake. It's like, don't worry about it. It's just fake. That's fine. Oh, and yes. by the way, sorry about your head. Like it's a, is it, Indy is a complete secondary thought. And I do, you do see that parallel when they start talking about their history. There's a great scene I'd like to get to in more detail later on the Zeppelin, where they finally sit down in a calm environment and they can have a conversation. And I think that's a really key part of their story. And um, I really enjoy that. But um, uh, it's interesting what you're saying before about how, what uh, what Henry is, what his profession is, and the life that uh, Indy chooses for himself academically, he definitely mm. follows in that footstep um, to some degree. But he has this kind of split personality, as we all know, Indiana Jones part sort of scholar, lecturer, um, historian, part action hero. Um, yeah, and we get to see in the that sort of um, prelude prologue bit at the beginning of the movie with young Indy. He kind of he models himself on this adventurer character that he, he bumps into, who is much more of like a prospector kind of character, um, who will dig up or steal artifacts for monetary gain. He just wants to sell it to some rich guy who wants it for his collection or whatever. He's not interested in preserving history in the way that India has been raised to. But it's interesting in that prologue that Indy is so in- is so concerned and will put himself in danger as a child in the face of grown men, criminals by the looks of them, with weapons, for the sake of, it belonged in a museum! Yes. <laughs> when we finally see, uh, when we get Indy getting home to see his dad as a, when he's young, his dad doesn't give him any affection, doesn't give him barely any attention. Um, but it's interesting that Indy is so eager for for that and for the approval of his dad is to, I think what he wants to happen is he bursts through the door says here I found this cross artifact thingy some guys were gonna was using it and we're just gonna sell it to the highest bidder but I've got it I'm gonna put it in a museum that's and he wants his dad he wants to have that conversation for his dad to say well done son you followed in my footsteps I've taught you well but really he just goes stop count to 20 like in a really condescending, like like you'd say to a, mm. a five-year-old who bursts into the room too excitedly. And when Indy must be like, what, 16 or something at this point? Yeah. And yeah, and do it in Greek. So it's not only putting him down immediately, he's also testing his intelligence. Um, so perhaps that's where why we see Indy's uh, split personality. Is that he, he is undoubtedly his father's son, but He's no reason to like his father. He likes the life, uh, even the clothes, the outfit of this outlaw yeah. kind of character. Um, and it kind of informs his whole life from that point on. Yeah, I think that's that's a really, a really key moment. And such, those two, uh, the count to 20 moment uh, with River Phoenix at the beginning and the hitting over the head with the vase are the two perfect uh, introductions to their relationship and to Sean Connery's character as well. Because in that opening bit, we don't actually see Sean Connery. 
we don't see his face no. at least he's he's over the desk kind of in darkness so he doesn't come across um as being a human likable character in the same way that even the the bad uh indiana jones the evil indiana jones <laughs> yeah. um at the beginning because they're shown in the bright like the desert sunlight we see them on the train um we get a full picture of them we we get to know who they are but indy's father is still shrouded in in mystery and that's kind of a a, a great visual demonstration of their relationship it's dehumanizing but, isn't it like he yeah. without a face he's not a person he's just a yeah and he's not there yeah he's ab- right? an absent yeah. stereotype kind of placeholder figure of a fa- mm. of a father. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And so then, when he does have that moment with the with the hats, where the guy gives him the hat, we we get we you're right. We see more of the oh, this is what I'm going to become. You know, like, but I'm going to be the good version of this. Um, it would be like I don't know if Darth Vader gave Luke Skywalker the lightsaber, and then Luke Skywalker said, "I'm gonna be like you, but good." Like, uh, well, maybe that's a different father-son relationship. But he bases <laughs> himself uh, he bases himself off of these two uh, sort of diametrically masculine, opposed masculine yeah. figures. Yeah. So while yeah. while the less traditionally masculine one is his father, who's an academic and would you know fight with his brain the more traditionally masculine one is um like a grave robber is, yeah is kind of on the the dark side of morality um mm. yeah that's 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 kind of intriguing and it's when from that moment when you know the the evil indie hands his hat to this nipper and was like i like you kid you've got spunk yeah, yeah, he got the, moxie. Got moxie, yeah. yeah. Oh, it's, it's like you. I think he says you lost today, but that doesn't mean you have to like it. Yeah. So something like that, which is a cool line. Like you lost, but you you got moxie. You got spunk. Like don't give up. You know, there's a. I, I see something in you, right? It's like I see your potential. Is what that line means. Yeah. Meanwhile, his father won't even look at him. Yes. In the his father is in the other room, and when the police and these criminals and burst into their house, his dad doesn't even leave the office. Doesn't even stand up. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that's the approval that he seems actually thinking about this now. The approval that Indiana Jones seems to be seeking is that of the adventurer guy from the beginning. Mm. Like yeah, the, it, he's, yeah. he mentions later that uh, like when he came of age as or whatever you want to say, when he became an, an adult, he left. And they've barely spoken for 20 years when we're in the sort of the present day of the movie. Um, he's, he hasn't sought the approval of Henry Jones Sr. He's not been, he's not mm. been t- speaking to him about his academic prowess, which maybe he would think that his dad would approve of. He's been living a life which this mysterious stranger would have approved of and kind of gave him the inspiration for. Yeah. So maybe he well, he might have, he might see that man more as a sort of spiritual father than his actual dad. Mm. There must have been uh, a big temptation for the writers to not bring that character back for later in the story. Like I know they use that introduction um, to set up uh, the the hard cut 
to the boat off the Portuguese coast, where he's getting, he's as an adult, he's retrieving the same crucifix that he lost as a as a child, as a teenager, and he fights the man in the white suit to to get it back all those years later. Um, but we don't see evil Indiana Jones again. He doesn't come back, and the temptation must have been huge for them to go. Okay, the movie is gonna be. Indiana Jones versus evil Indiana Jones with his dad and you know he he's being pulled in both directions right between his dad on the good side of it belongs in a museum and the evil Indiana Jones um who you know wants to go on adventures but they they just forget that character you never see him again yeah that's a good, interesting interesting idea what would you what would you do with him if if you were rewriting this and and you wanted to bring evil Indy back what how would you how would you structure that? Yeah, I don't. Th- I don't know that I would. I think they made the right decision by leaving him out, because otherwise, if there's something, I, this is something I want to to come on to later, which is the the conflicting legacy of this movie for me. I think while I was watching it, I I said to you, this movie ruined all of modern cinema, <laughs> something along those lines, and I w- I want to get in get into that to more detail because. There's something I noticed in this where I was like, oh my God, this is, this film is the death of, like Star Wars is a perfect example. Um, but yeah, the deciding to leave out evil Indiana Jones from later on, there's not a, a confrontation between evil Indiana Jones and Sean Connery, where Sean Connery is like, I'm the boy's real father, like like that. It's There's nothing, uh, they, he's, he's just gone from this movie. Um if we jump to the the zeppelin scene that we were talking about earlier on yeah that's a that's a really brilliant moment um uh indy and and henry have escaped from the castle they've found out they were both boning the same nazi <laughs> um yeah and uh which is again just a brilliant brilliant moment with um uh how did you know she was a nazi she, she talks in her she sleep. She talks in her sleep. like that. Apparently he answered yeah, that. Yeah. Sean Connery made that up on the spot and um, they had to cut straight away afterwards because the whole crew and cast were on the floor laughing. And apparently <laughs> Spielberg went, well, that's staying in. <laughs> yes. It it's, a yeah. perf- it's a perfect line. Like, I think that was left, that question was left open in the original script. Maybe it was just going to be answered with a sort of a, a raise of the eyebrow or he was going to look shifty and, and uh, sort of embarrassed. But I love how he took the character in a direction of. No, that's just, yeah, that's just, this is what that's, I what I do. Yeah, and there's a bit, a bit when they're talking about that on the Zeppelin, where Indy's like, "You're old enough to be her fa- her grandfather for Christ's sake," and he's like, um, "They say I'm as human as the next man. I was the next man." <laughs> there's this <laughs> this great little back and uh, back and forth dialogue that that I really like. But then that's that funny little. Um, tete-a-tete then goes into a indie kind of opens up to him and mm. if we're talking about this I wrote it down right I wrote okay. down this this back and forth okay I, are you playing are you playing both roles I'll here? play both roles because um, you know I've, I haven't shared this with you I thought about doing that beforehand okay. and we could have like you know done the voices and everything um, <laughs> well you're gonna have to do the voices because otherwise how am I gonna know which Jones is which well my my Sean Connery is not very good. 
So it, it no, it's a, perfect. I'm in. I'm all in. <laughs> it takes a lot of effort, and I think it would take away from the the feeling okay. of the scene. Um, interesting side note: uh, the the interior of the Zeppelin was filmed on a set, and apparently it was really hot. So both Harrison Ford and Sean Connery were not were not wearing any trousers while they were filming this scene. They were sat there in their pants, which maybe, well, maybe, I'm going to go and rewatch this. <laughs> so maybe we should. Okay, let's take our trousers off. Uh, all right. <laughs> To be fair, I, I am baking. I'm sweating in this room today. Um, so, okay. I'll read you the scene. Um, okay. Interior should, should we, Zeppelin. Yeah, interior Zeppelin. Um, I can't think of many other scripts that would have that, that scene heading. <laughs> um, do we need to set the scene? Um, so, we mentioned about Indy rescuing his dad from the castle. That's like kind of Aust- yes. on the Austria-German border, Salzburg, I think it is on the map. That, that amazing trope that was invented for for these is it invented for these films or at least made famous by the films where to yeah. transition from scene to scene and showing us where they've traveled they have a map sort of in in translucent on the screen with a plane and a little mm-hmm. line oh i love all that um it's great it is so indian escapes the castle with his dad and they decide instead of going trying to find marcus brody their um their ally who they've given important pages of the, uh, you know the diary that's going to help them discover the, where the holy grail is he's in uh where is he somewhere in north africa because he he's meets up with egypt. jonathan Rhys. yeah I think yeah it must be egypt because yeah. they meet up with jonathan Rhys davis um yes, or as the I welsh him, egyptian yeah as i called him while i was watching this mo salah because his name is salah and i was like <laughs> ha he's egyptian his name's salah um uh yeah so he's he's there and then um they decide though that instead of going to find marcus in egypt they're going to go to Berlin where the evil Nazi woman has Sean Connery's diary, which yes. Indy thinks is not important, but Sean Connery's like, it's bloody well important. We're going to need that later. You know, those kind and of... And they meet Hitler. And they go to Berlin. They accidentally bump into <laughs> Hitler. Uh, they get the... <laughs> as you do. As you do. Of course. I read that that guy who plays Hitler, that was the third time in his career that he played Hitler. Oh. And that's just not a good typecasting know, to have, like, is it? Like You have typecasting for, of all kinds of things. Like Jonah Hill yeah, just oh, played I... like the, the, the chubby funny one because that's what he yes. thought to, all he could really do. And yeah. I know that the woman who played Elsa, the, uh, the Nazi lady in this film, she got cast as like airy and evil women over and over again after this film mm-hmm. um but yeah poor guy hitler over and over again he might as well just be a lookalike and hire himself out for birthday parties <laughs> at this point well that's what i always wanted as a child <laughs> at my birthday parties my parents said do you want a clown do you want no i want a lookalike of hitler I want so we can hitler. play yeah we can play pin the tail on the dictator and you just... <laughs> pin the mustache on the dictator no, that's a good one. There we yeah. go. We just fig- we yeah, figured this very, out. It's a very small landing strip <laughs> yeah. to get it on accurately. That yeah. scene as well, actually, another interesting trivia piece of trivia from that scene. When all of the extras were doing the uh, Nazi salute and goose stepping, Steel- uh, Spielberg had them all put another hand behind their back and cross their fingers. So that they didn't mean it. So that they didn't mean Zick Heil. Aww. Which, you know, that's kind of that's... really sensitive of him. He wasn't like, it's yeah. just a movie, guys. Chill out. He was like, mm. make sure, you know, we, we, we cleanse our souls by making sure no one thinks that we're being serious about all this Nazi yeah. Kyle stuff. It's a film set, yeah. I know. All the costumes, by the way, were real. There are real uniforms that were reclaimed after the Second World War. All the Nazi really? Costumes. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, Whew. so Indiana 
they he dresses like a nazi gets into this um sort, kind of like nazi festival where they're burning books uh, it's like yeah. it's like the fire festival um and <laughs> he gets the diary back accidentally bumps into hitler you're like shit hitler's gonna realize it's him but instead hitler just signs <laughs> autographs um henry yeah. jones's diary a, and they get away it's such a yeah it's such a ridiculous moment because why is hitler gonna recognize indiana jones right yeah. like what they do, do, what do we ex- there, what they? yeah but like what's gonna happen like hitler's not gonna be like i know you <laughs> dr jones yeah. and then uh, indiana jones and hitler are gonna have a fist fight in the middle of this you know like it's just it turns he, into like that scene yeah. from Troy with Eric Banner and Brad Pitt, and this outside of yes. the castle walls in their underwear, just spearing and shielding each other. Well, that would have been a good <sighs> scene. But then, but then, because it's Indiana Jones, he just pulls out a gun and shoots him, like in it Raiders of the Lost. There we go. <laughs> End of movie. Take that, Hitler. <laughs> yeah. um, so after after the running with Hitler, they get to an airfield and they <laughs> buy the first tickets out of Germany, which apparently is on a zeppelin. There aren't a pl- any yes. planes. They get on a Zeppelin and um, they basically make their escape bar a, a minor run-in with the uh, Nazi officer character that's been chasing them for a while in this movie. Um, and Indy, No ticket. Yeah, Indy throws him out of the window and goes, no ticket. And all these Germans are like, oh shit. And they throw, you know, wave their oh, tickets. Oh, my ticket. Yeah. Great moment. Great moment. And also in the background of that scene, I had to stop because there's a sign on the wall that says Funk Station. And I was like, Funk Station? <laughs> There's a funk station in this Zeppelin? And apparently it just means radio station in German, but it's spelt funk station. And I just love the idea if you go through that door and there's all these like guys in Nazi uniforms wearing like fake Afro wigs and just like grooving to like Soul Train or something. That would have been yeah. amazing. Uh, you can just imagine this Nazi, this Nazi guy going, hello and welcome to Funk Funk because the radio channels are also called funk. <laughs> Oh, I just so I, I wish that maybe if I knew an animator, I'd pay them just to animate that scene for me. That'd be so much fun. Uh, but anyway, so <laughs> all of that backstory. But then uh, the Zeppelin takes off, and Indy and Henry could finally just chill out and sit and enjoy the journey. And they have that moment that we said about them just <laughs> them just briefly discussing the fact that they both doinked the same Nazi, um, <laughs> which is funny. Yeah. And then. There's a pause, and Indy says, Remember the last time we had a quiet drink? I had a milkshake. Henry says, What did we talk about? Indy says, We didn't talk. We never talked. Bit of a pause. Henry says, Do I detect a rebuke? Which is a great sentence. I love that. Mm -hmm. A regret. It was just the two of us, Dad. It was a lonely way to grow up. For you too. If you'd been an ordinary average father like the other guys, dads, you'd have understood that. Henry says, actually, I was a wonderful father. What? Did I ever tell you to eat up, wash your ears, go to bed, do your homework? No. I respected your privacy and I taught you self-reliance. I taught you self-reliance. That's good. What you taught me was that I was less important to you than people who had been dead for 500 years in another country. And I learned it so well that we've hardly spoken for 20 years. And this is one of my favourite lines in this bit of dialogue. Henry says, you left just when you were, be- you were becoming interesting. Oh, that's, oh. that's harsh. Oh. Dad? <laughs> and then Henry says, oh no, I'm here now. What do you want to talk about? And this kind of catches Indy off guard and he 
can't really find any words and he says, I can't think of anything. Then what are you complaining about? We have work to do. And then they get back into their, you know, their kind of shared mm. interest. The only thing that really lights uh, Henry up when he's kind of, uh, now that he's in Indy's life and in going through all the adventures and stuff that he doesn't really seem comfortable with. Like even when he rescues him from the uh, the castle, Indy mows down a bunch of Nazis and Henry's like, oh, I can't believe you just did that. It's like, they were yeah. fucking Nazis. Chill out. Um, and it's when he kind of scoots around the table and they start talking about the diary again that he actually connects with him. He's not interested in talking about anything else besides the... Not, I was going to say the adventure, but it's not the adventure. It's just the study and coming up yes. and uh, and working together to help solve a problem. Yeah. Yeah, I think that the only slight mistake I think that you, you made in your transcription was one of my favourite lines in this bit, which is when Henry says, actually, I was a wonderful father. And Indy says, when? And I think that, I think in your one, you wrote what? Actually, I was a wonderful father. What? But in the movie, I'm sure Indy says when. I think that's, that's such a brilliant moment because Indy's not caught by surprise, right? He's not surprised that his father thinks that he was a good father. He's ready to have conflict over this. He's like actually challenging him. He's not like, I can't believe you think you were good. It's like, actually, I was a wonderful father. When were you a wonderful father? Right. Give me the example of when you were a good father to me. And his, his, his father can't think of one. Right. He can't go. Remember when we did this? It's oh, well, I didn't tell you to do anything. I left you on your own to yeah, take which, care of yourself. Yeah, you know, which to him is answer. what makes him, makes him a wonderful yeah. father. He thinks that was a good move. I think like, that yeah. was all premeditated. That's what he meant to do. Yeah. 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 OK, well, I think this this moment of conflict between them and Sean Connery's inability to connect to Indiana Jones because really if we're being honest the character is called Sean Connery and his son <laughs> is called Indiana Jones so um it, it's that great moment in the towards the final action action scene the one we've talked about at length with the tank and um Sean uh Indiana Jones is on the tank fighting the Nazis, and just when you think he's gotten rid of all the Nazis, another van appears with more Nazis, and there's just constant trucks full of Nazis in this scene. Um, they, they, they just, whenever you think, you know, there's no more Nazis, there's always another Nazi. Um, but he goes there to rescue his father, he gets his father out of the tank, but then the tank drives off the cliff, and uh, with Indiana Jones on top, and Sean Connery looks down... Um, thinking that his son is dead and speaks like the only words of love that he's ever given to his son, essentially. Um, and he he is full of regret in that moment of he never fully expressed to his son how much he loved and cared for him. And now the moment's gone and there's nothing he can do about it. Yeah, uh, what's yeah, I agree that that moment's really great because I think he says he says I've lost him. And the the realization mm. hits him, and then he says, "And I never taught him anything, or is that I never, mm. I never told him anything, I never taught him anything." But either or, even though he's fully aware that um, he imparted a lot of uh, knowledge onto his son in terms of teaching him about history and and all that stuff, Indy's obviously taken that on. But 
in that true moment of loss, he realizes he never, he didn't teach him anything, he didn't tell him anything about mm. anything important. All he did was teach him like a, uh, treat him like a, you know, like a student or, you know, a puppy that needs to be trained. He never told mm. him anything, and then he says five minutes would have been enough, which is, you know, and I, yeah. I took, I took from that five minutes is long enough to say, I love you, I'm proud of you, and you've done so many great things, and thanks for rescuing me and let's compare notes on that Nazi chick. Oi, oi. Um, <laughs> maybe not, but yeah, that, that's a really poignant moment. But then if I can actually find a fault in this movie, it might be there where they, maybe if this was, be, this was being made in the modern day, they would leave, they would make that feel more real. And I don't know if, like we said about in, uh, Steven Spielberg's family adventure movies, you don't really, feel like there's any real threat on the heroes because you yeah. know they're the heroes and they're going to make it through to the end um, but that's not that's not really under any threat whereas I would have liked that moment to be a bit more poignant and you can believe that Indy went over the edge because immediately just the way it's framed, the way the score goes um, and the way it's built up and you watch the tank go over the edge no part of the way that's filmed makes you it's trying to make you think that Indy was on that yeah like you and you see like the the little the mannequin of the Nazi guy who's still on the tank and gets like <laughs> squished by the turret and stuff. Um, so you don't really believe that India's gone, but then you have a chance to for the actors to make us believe that perhaps India's gone. And mm. maybe it would have been a bit hammy and and a bit over the top if Sean Connery had played that really as a tearjerker tearjerking moment. But you know, it, I think it still works as a a quiet reflection and maybe it's quite true to his to his henry jones's character if he had start you know single tier what have i done i've wasted my life kind of thing maybe that would have been too much but i would have i would have liked that that would have been a real daddy issues moment if that brought a tear to my eye which i which i think it had yeah. the potential to do uh, but it doesn't um, which which is fine because i think it what well, they're not going for that i think they're playing it as a as a joke it's a, it's a bit it's a bit of comedy where they're all looking over the edge thinking Indy's gone even like supposedly his best friend Marcus doesn't seem that cut up about it Salah is a kind of a doesn't look completely cut up about it he's the kind of character he's from the that part of the world where I would have thought he would have fallen to his knees and screamed no to the heavens if <laughs> if a close friend of yeah. his had been killed in front of him but they're all just kind of peering over the edge and then Indy manages to clamber back onto the cliff and he's leaning over with them and there's Sean Connery does and the double gives- take yeah, uh, Harrison Ford gives one of his few Han Solo facial expressions within Indiana Jones. It's it's a look straight out of a Han Solo, where he's looking down, they're all looking down at the tank, and he's kind of like, his mouth's a little bit agape, um, and his eyes, his, like, his, eye, um, his eyes are wide, and he's kind of looking down like, what? And it's the um, the same kind of thing that Han Solo does a lot to Princess Leia whenever she kind of, um, especially in Empire Strikes Back, where she's kind of um, like poking him and teasing him and he's just playing it up. Um, but he doesn't do, you don't see many shared facial expressions between Indiana Jones and Han Solo. Like, they're as similar as they are, but they're not really similar other than them being Harrison Ford character wise they're both rogues but Indiana Jones isn't really a rogue um no I think he does a great job of distinguishing the two actually because he he did those roles in quite quick succession or maybe even they overlapped um 
that's to at some point but he i think he does a great job of carrying himself differently in each in mm. each role like he doesn't look like han solo dressed like a cowboy and han solo doesn't no. look like indiana jones in a vest I think he's there's some credit should maybe should be given for how he manages to separate two action roguish action heroes from each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's I think that's definitely true. But uh, yeah, um, the, but the, the, there is a nice we do get a kind of a moment where um, Sean Connery realizes that Indy didn't go over the edge and gives him a big hug. I thought I'd lost your boy, and it's yeah. a very brief moment of um, you know uh, joy and relief that is but then very quickly erased and replaced with a stiff upper lip all right then well done let's go things to yes. do yeah yeah which again is played but for comedy le- not really played for emotion yeah that scene is definitely played for comedy yeah um which kind of leads us then into the final father son sequence which is the whole finale really the whole finale of, and the, the tension of the final act of the film is based on they're there to get the holy grail i don't know if we've even mentioned the holy grail yet we did in this in this podcast (laughs) oh thank god um they're there to get the holy grail but there's a sequence a sequence of indiana jones style traps that um that nobody has been able to get through yet so um to ensure that indiana jones has the proper motivation to get the grail um the american who's the american jerk does it Donovan, something like that? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, who's been working with the Nazis. He shoots Sean Connery uh, and says, well, Indiana Jones, your father's going to die. So unless you can get the Holy Grail and save him from near death, you know, you're going to lose, you're going to lose your dad. So you better go and get me that goddamn Grail. Um, and so the the whole climax of the movie is is built on the strength of that father-son relationship that we've seen throughout the movie where the stakes are he's going to lose the father that they've just started to connect and we've just seen that that i think so i didn't i didn't really get that i didn't feel that i feel like if if uh indiana jones's dad wasn't there and the american bad guy shot one of indy's other companions in the stomach he would have gone in i i think he's he's an altruistic hero so I didn't. Obviously, he he reacts. I don't think he, he would have given it to the Nazis, right? If if he'd be like, "Oh, I'm going to shoot the the German lady," like he's already used they've already used her as a hostage once. Yeah, and it turned out that she um, was in. That's when they revealed the big secret that she was a Nazi. She never. Saw yeah. But no, I just yeah. don't. I think it's more of it says more about. Indiana Jones's character as the protagonist, and th- as we know him from throughout the movies, that he does he does the right thing. He he saves people, and he, especially if they're on his side. Like say they shot John Reese Davis in the stomach, that would have been as I felt that would have been equal a a motivation for him to go in. Mm-hmm. Um, so that 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 wasn't a daddy issues moment for me. Okay, that was just like a, well they needed to motivate. Well you know as far as the bad guys was concerned, they needed to motivate him to go and do it. And he's the only mm. one who could do it, so that was that was going to work. What were there any moments um, in that sequence that were daddy issues moments for you? Um, in the, in the getting the grail, that kind yeah, of yeah. I think I don't. They don't. I don't think they intentionally pull on any of my of my heart. Well, my heartstrings. I don't think they really pull on any heartstrings throughout that sequence. I was watching that sequence, thinking that 
if Indiana Jones hadn't been raised by Henry Jones and if he hadn't idolised evil Indiana Jones from his childhood, mm-hmm. if, if he didn't have either one of those things, he wouldn't have made it through the trials. He needed the education he had that was obviously partly from his father and then partly through the course he chose academically. And if, and if he hadn't lived a life of adventure and he could do action roles on cue to d- avoid yes. buzzsaws, then yeah, he needed both parts equally which is great and it makes for it to be more exciting and i suppose if if i wanted to make it more of a father-son thing and really pull on the thread of their relationship it would have been less actiony and you know probably therefore less interesting to watch and it would have been heavily reliant on perhaps things that he had learned from his father throughout the course of this film mm. you know there's no it's not really any real payoff indiana jones just does indiana jones stuff like he he would have got through there, like right if you write Henry Jones Senior out of the story and replace him with just some other scholar whose book he a diary he has with all the clues of how to get through, Indiana Jones could have got through it the same in the same way. Do you, I think? Yeah, I think the 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 trick that Spielberg pulls off very nicely there is while um, Sean Connery is on the floor dying, he's giving the. Um, the penitent path bit. Yeah, um, the penitent man and, will pass. Yeah, yes, and we we see we cut back and forth between um, Indiana Jones thinking out loud. It's like, oh, the penitent man kneels before God. He's humble or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. But we cut we cut back and forth between father and son as they're both. It's like almost Sean Connery speaking in tongues as he's bleeding out. He's like he's obsessed with with. You know, with the things that he's learned and that he's read. Yeah, but he, which he and said that he had forgotten earlier on in the movie. Do you remember? Yeah, well, he the he, reason... was on the, he, <laughs> he had a chance to reread the diary. He read. Okay, the diary yeah, that's again. fair point. That could have happened yeah. off camera. Yes, yeah, but I think that's that's a kind of Spielbergian trick there to to build that connection between the two of them in our mind is them both saying the same thing, right? Is that um, we know that they're their father and son because. They're, you know, helping. It feels like Sean Connery's helping him, even though he's not he's because they can't not. hear each other. Yeah, yeah, they they can't help they can't help it. Um, but yeah, I think you make a really good point. If um, Indiana Jones had been shot and Sean Connery had gone in there, even though he could have worked out, oh, it means I have to pray before God, he still would have got his head chopped off because he couldn't move fast. Enough, yeah, right. He's not. He's a he's a a, a scholar, as you said. He's an academic. He's not a, a grave robbing. Um, action hero, yeah, in in the same way that Indiana Jones is. Um, but yeah, I th- I do think that's a, a a really great filmmaking technique, cutting back and forth between them, because it constantly reminds us of the stakes that um, that Henry Jones is is bleeding out, and Indiana needs to get his, you know, get his shit on, you know, get in there and get the Grail. Um, it doesn't just leave us to go. Oh yeah, his dad. Something about his dad. We're 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 always there with the stakes in mind. Um, and yeah, it gives us that trick of you know that there's a stronger connection between them than uh, than there otherwise might be. Hmm. Um, I didn't. Did you feel like though there was a much of a ticking clock there? Because like you say, I, Henry's lying there and he's sure he's been shot and yeah, he's he's bled presumably. But I didn't feel like there was, besides Marcus running up to the entrance of the trials and saying, you've got to hurry, 
like that in in Sean Connery's performance, or or not, I don't want to put it. Maybe don't put it on Sean Connery because I think he's amazing in this whole film. He's absolutely brilliant. They couldn't have cast anybody else; it, it wouldn't have been as good. Um, but in the in maybe that was cut for time. But then I didn't get. I didn't feel um, that there was a, a a ticking clock. There wasn't enough. I don't know what the word is. I didn't. There was no tension for me. There was no. Uh, come on you've got to hurry up kind of feeling like you know like uh, have you seen Argo the Ben Affleck movie about the yeah yeah, yeah. the ending of that I, like I think I forgot I know it's a very different type of movie but just as an example of managing tension the last 15-20 minutes of that film I don't think I breathed I think I was just holding my breath arc and, and was clenching every muscle in my body because it was it was that dramatic and that tense and um, with Indiana Jones you probably can't go that far but um, again, for a, if if I'm searching for daddy issues moments, I need I needed more uh, pressure on Indy to do it quicker. It felt like he had enough time to figure everything out. You know. Yeah, I I I I feel the pressure during that sequence until he passes the tests and gets into the final room with the Holy Grail in it and the knight. Um, and as soon as we get into that room, it's like time has frozen, right? Indiana Jones isn't in a hurry to get the grail once he's in that room because the movie wants to take time for us to be awed by the night. He's been there for 700 years. Um, we, have to, we have to see, again, we have to um, have the stakes of what if you choose the wrong grail um, where Donovan gets that brilliant... Uh, bus stop animation kind of moment where you know, he drinks the water from the wrong grail and then turns into the skeleton ages rapidly and that looks like, so horrific. amazing it looks brilliant it's horrible yeah yeah but like, it's for, like really practical great. effects like uh i was I, I can't i didn't think to look who was responsible for those effects but mm. it was incredible like that is a movie making at its best for that yeah. for that period yeah. of time it was amazing i loved it yeah yeah it is great but once they get into that bit i don't feel that the um the clock is ticking anymore it's like the as you're saying well i feel it when there he's going through going through the um the the tests but as soon as he's passed the test and he gets in there it's kind of um yeah i feel like it's over and what a shit deal that knight gets as well he waits there 700 years for someone to take over for him and then the first time he sees anyone they bloody lose the grail and break the temple yeah do you, like i wondered that... though if it was gonna like um it would all respawn back into its original place once once they left once indian and everyone get out it just poofs back into where it was and the night's yeah. like well here we go other 700 years but the sad part about that is that when he he knows he's too old to fight for his place anymore mm. so he surrenders he's like here's my sword you have you have vanquished me and then he's yeah. like uh no you're right and just because <laughs> of pushes the sword back and he's like listen i need to get this i need to get this grail because of uh, my dad and yeah there's also and the a, there's also a nazi <laughs> following me and if and then yeah. yeah you do get it does take time to let us know what happens if you choose the wrong one. I, did, I thought mm. that that time is well spent, I thought. And once Donovan gets dead and they t- and he, he chooses the goblet that he, f- he does eventually choose, mm. 
he does look like he's in a rush. He doesn't like take time to consider yeah. what happened, like to even yeah. hesitate. He's like, I think I've got the right one. Here's the water. Oh, well, bottoms yeah. up. I've got to try it. He necks yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Things seem to go well. And another sort of editing um, choice that negates any kind of ticking clock for me is that once we realize that Indy is not going to emaciate, turn into flesh and bone, skeleton, dust, nothing, um, mm-hmm. that it cuts to him emerging out of the trials and giving the, you know, to give his dad the cup. So again, yeah. there's, there's no real um, momentum there. It just cuts straight mm-hmm. to him from being right at the furthest point away from his dad in the, in the room with the, all the cups. And then he's cuts hard cut straight back to, to giving it to him. We already, we already know it's going to work because it didn't kill Indiana Jones. Yes. So yeah, yeah, it kind of, it, I think the, the finale pays off for Indiana Jones, but I just don't think it pays off for their relationship much, which I didn't think, I didn't realize that kind of at the time, but now we're talking about it. Mm. Um, there didn't seem to be much at stake for their relationship either. Like, mm-hmm. They were never so fractured that um, there was a, a the conflict between them still existed in the big finale, and it was a burden on either of them. They kind no, of all... the, the most conflict we really get between them is on the zeppelin, yeah. And where it's like you weren't there for me, and then they go, "Well, you were there for yourself. Now let's move on." Yeah, and that's the most fractured that they yeah that they, they are. Get. But there's yeah. there's no there's not really a reconciliation between them beyond them both accepting who each other are and mm-hmm. past is the past let's move on and yeah the only time we get any sense that henry jones regrets ha- um the choices he made and how he raised indy was on that bit where he thinks he's dead and again they don't give it the time to really sink in before indy pops back up and he's like so what we're we looking at yeah you know yeah so as much mm. as I, I really enjoy, throughout the course of the film, I really enjoy the back and forth. I think they play off each other brilliantly. Uh, they were obviously cast very well to yes. be able to... I think I um, I think Gregory Peck was one of the first choices to play Henry Jones initially, right. but um, he wouldn't have had the sort of comedy chops to be able to pull off the kind of bumbliness of Henry Jones, I think. Yes. And I know that... Um, Sean Connery was really thrilled when he read the script because he got to be funny, which he doesn't never didn't get that many chances to do throughout his career. But from what I saw from Last Crusade, is he's great at it. Like, he's brilliant. He's absolutely yeah. brilliant. Everything there is. There are moments that I really laughed out loud. And if we can hark back to one just now, while it's in my head, yeah, where they're oh, in, yeah. they're in the castle um, when Indy goes to rescue his dad, and they get captured and they're tied to uh, to each other. Um, where they kind of, you, as the audience, we get the an idea that, oh no, we've already revealed that they both doinked us, the Nazi lady. Um, yes. And she yeah. gives like a, <laughs> this is how we say goodbye in Austria and gives India a big smooch. And then the Nazi smacks him around the head and goes, that's how we say goodbye in Germany. Um, and uh, the, through mistakes and hijinks, the room catches fire. <laughs> yes. And they, they try and escape through that um, sort of secret passageway <laughs> in the fire. The spinning fireplace. The spinning fireplace. Yeah. And yeah. There's a there's a very simple physical comedy of them accidentally triggering the secret door that spins them <laughs> and they just go they get turned yeah. into like a secret room full of Nazi officers and it, it just keeps going and they end up back yeah. in the room where they were and uh, uh, Henry Jones says our situation has not improved 
and yeah. I, that really made me laugh that his delivery is so like sarcastic and dry and, yes. and really perfect um, and he does that i think he does that throughout really well and they like i say their banter is brilliant um i don't know where you want to go from here but I've, there are some other things that i could uh draw on that i enjoyed about their relationship even kind of as we've we've just sort of covered for me i didn't find it yeah. very fulfilling by the end but i enjoyed did you sorry let's 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 go to you did you find the ending fulfilling for them mm. i think the 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 two remaining things i really want to get really want to get into is through the through the whole movie um uh sean connery refers to indiana jones as junior junior through, yeah through the whole the whole movie do you want to know how many and times he says uh, it because i counted no i don't want to okay fine. i don't want to know that you don't have to it's, no it's go not... on then go on no then. I, don't, I don't think you do it's fine okay fine it's, it's not important no go on i need to know now. <laughs> he says it 13 times he just yells i don't know if that's more or less than than it i thought did you count lot. how many times did, did you count how many times indiana jones says dad because that was one thing I messaged you about, wasn't it? How he's always saying dad. You messaged me that beforehand, and I planned on counting them, and that was the one re- 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 repeated phrase that I forgot to count. I counted, um, it belongs in the museum, and I counted junior, <laughs> and I counted, don't call me junior, and I counted, this is intolerable, which is which are all the catchphrases that I noticed seem to be repeated, but dad, or come on, dad, I, I forgot to count, so I'm sorry. And that was the whole reason I started counting things in the first place. Well, I, now I have the script the script up on my computer, and I've done a Control-F for how many times each word appears in the script. Okay. So this isn't a perfect, a perfect thing. Junior appears in the script nine, uh, 19 times. Okay. But that's not, that's not necessarily every time Sean Connery's saying it. That could be any time that somebody says it. Yeah. Um, yeah, dad appears 66 times. 66. So See, that, that sounds that, like a lot of... Yeah, so that might be someone going, um, uh, going, where's your dad? Or something like that. But here's, here's the one that's just appeared. As Indy runs from the railroad tracks and approaches his house, we see the name Jones painted on the mailbox. Indy, dad! Interior, the house, day. Indy bursts through the front door. Dad, <laughs> and it just, he just keeps going. He just kind of keeps going. Um, but yes, he's he's um, oh oh no. Okay, no, sorry, sorry. I'm being distracted by the script. Edit that out. Edit that out. <laughs> um, uh, we get at the end of the movie. We get the reveal for what Junior actually meant, and yeah. we find out that Indiana Jones isn't called Indiana Jones at all. He's actually called henry jones jr but named himself indiana because he loved their dog who had been named indiana yeah who was named indiana after george lucas's dog indiana right so it's a funny little moment it's their last bit together um what do you make of that twist at the end of the movie in terms of whether I, I like it as a element of his character, yes, or... of his of his character and their relationship and and everything, I think it makes a lot of sense actually. Thinking about it, in how estranged he is from his dad, mm-hmm. and it'd be good, interesting to know when he took on the name. Oh no, because in in the prelude at the beginning, Rever- uh, 
River Phoenix's fat friend calls him Indiana. Yes. In, in a <laughs> yeah. real like expositionary way where they kind of they creep in and find these guys yeah. raiding this tomb. And his friend's like, Indiana, Indiana, yeah. Indiana. So as if as the audience were going, so who's he supposed to be? Who's then? that River Phoenix? Yeah. Oh, who's he playing? Oh, he's only Indiana, been... Indiana. Yeah. So even yeah. as a, yeah, it seems like even as a, as a teenager, he was going by Indiana to his friends. Mm. And when we see him run back into the house, they have a dog on the floor which mm. watches him run in. So presumably he was going by Indiana at the same time as they had a dog called Indiana. Which must have been kind of confusing. Like that they didn't even do weird. it like in 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 memoriam of a dog that may have mm. passed on. Like we're led to believe that they're the same, one and the same. Beautiful dog though. I really like that dog. Right, well, thank you for listening to us. <laughs> <laughs> Let's wrap it up there. Yeah, we've got a new podcast called Dave Loves That Dog, where we look at the dogs that Dave loves in popular culture. It sounds more like an Instagram account, but you know, maybe yes. I can I can make that happen. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's it's a bit of a bit of a weird twist there throwing in at the end, but it gives them one final comedic, uh, like banter between between themselves, and I get the feeling. I think we definitely get the feeling after this one that when they go back to America to resume their their normal lives, that their their relationship has mended somewhat, and that they will spend time together and enjoy spending time together as well. Like um, their relationships healed much more by the end of the movie like but at the beginning in the castle if they just gotten out of the castle and gone back to america i don't think they would have seen each other again but i do feel that they have been on some form of journey together so that by the end they are uh father and son no longer estranged like they they have discovered each other um and it hasn't had the emotional beats necessarily in the in, as you're saying um but it's a great uh, odd couple um, like in the for the in the nineteen eighties, it's a, up there with all the best nineteen eighties buddy cop style movies, right? Like those, um, yeah, misfit duos and yeah, like Midnight Run and yeah, um, Lethal Weapon, Lethal Weapon, yeah, yeah, all the ones where um, a white guy and somebody who's not a white guy are forced together. Although I suppose Midnight Run, they're both white guys. But um, I read, uh, this is a bit of a tangent, but I, I read something about um, how the buddy cop um, dyna- uh, film w- can't work anymore because they've, all, they've gone through the list of all of the crazy combinations that could possibly occur of white cop and fill in the blank. <laughs> so like white, white cop and white criminal. Like mm-hmm. for, and like um, Midnight Run and yeah, uh, white cop and black criminal, like mm-hmm. 48 hours or... Mm-hmm. Um, a white cop, black cop, a yeah. white cop and a woman. They've even done white cop and a dog with canine <laughs> and Turner and Hooch. Um, so <laughs> I guess white cop, old white cop is kind of like what this is. Yeah, well, that's um, why they have to be archaeologists because they're not yeah, cops, so you can get away with cops. it. You can get away with it. But um, yeah, they, their dynamic does work brilliantly. I think and I said it before that the performances sell it. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And there was one more thing that I wanted to talk about. And I just remembered what it was. It's, well done. It's um, Henry Jones, Sean Connery's approach to violence. And okay. how we were saying earlier on about the differences between um, Indiana Jones and, and Sean Connery. The biggest one for me is like you were saying with the Nazis in the castle. Indiana Jones just mows them down 
And Sean Connor is like, you killed them. And then later on during the motorcycle chase, there are a few moments where um, Indiana Jones maybe doesn't kill them, but I think yeah, but he, he kills them. He kills some Nazis on motorbikes. And then he's got a big smile on his face. Like, yeah, I did it. And then he looks over to Sean Connery and Sean Connery's very disapproving that he just killed this guy. Yeah, on one time he just like checks his watch like, uh like he couldn't be less interested in what's going on. Yes, yeah. And I think that's a really a really interesting character difference that everything we take for granted about Indiana Jones being an action character isn't necessarily a good thing. And we think it's a good thing because he's the protagonist of our story and they're Nazis. But when we see his father being disapproving, we realise that violence isn't... It's kind of a weird thing of being like, violence isn't always, you know... Like we think, oh, they're Nazis and they've been shot by the hero, so that's good. But Sean Connery, yeah. yeah, yeah, but Sean Connery's like, you just killed them! And there's a weird moral switch in the back of my mind that's going, yeah, he did just... Did he have to, you know? But then in the next scene, where um, the the Nazi colonel has uh, the girl that they've both had sex with hostage. Um, Sean Connery's like, yeah, just shoot her. She's a Nazi. Yeah, they, they literally leave the room where yeah. Indiana Jones machine guns a bunch of them. Yeah. And they walk into the next room and he's like, yeah, execute her. I don't care. Yeah, shoot, yeah, shoot that girl. I don't, I don't, I don't mind. <laughs> she's, def- she's definitely a Nazi. Yeah. yeah, that is a strange thing. But then in that motorbike chase, the disapproval, I don't necessarily attribute to um, him being like, you hurt people. It doesn't matter mm. that they're Nazis. You shouldn't be so ag- aggressive. I've, I attribute it to more to, I think it's just um, the uh, the exuberance to which Indiana Jones takes this violence and aggression yeah. and how good he is at it. Mm. That I think Henry Jones does, is Henry Jones, yeah, Henry Jones is just not, it's not impressed. It's not the kind of thing that impresses him. So there's a bit where like he sticks, um, a spike through the spokes of a motorbike and the guy yes. goes flying and Indy's yes. like, hey, that was awesome. Yeah. And Henry's like, Ugh, not interested. But I think it's like, there are three uh, main moments of, of uh, violence from Indiana Jones in that sequence. First one, he was pleased with himself. I can't even remember what it is, but the first one, he's pleased with himself. Dad is not interested. The third time is the spokes one. And again, dad's not interested. But the middle one is when Indy grabs uh, like a flagpole and uses it as a joust. Yeah, and Henry Jones actually seems impressed by that. He smiles at that, and I'm like, well, is that because he, it's like a historical reference? Like, would Indiana Jones not know how to joust had he not studied history, mm. and therefore Dad can be like, "That's my boy." Yeah, uh, yeah, I think that's very true. That jousting bit's very cool. As <laughs> well, cool, yeah. yeah, yeah. Then we get the bit later on, where. Because Indiana Jones finds it frustrating that his dad doesn't approve of his violence, as well. We see that yes. in the mo- in the motorbike in the the motorbike chase. But then we get the bit later on where they've been chased by the plane in a, a separate action sequence, but this one that just continues and continues, where they're stuck on the beach. There's nowhere for them to go. And um, Indiana Jones uh, looks at, opens his gun to see if he's got any bullets, but the gun's empty. And he's like, well, that's it. We, you know, we're, we're done for. And then Sean Connery gets out his umbrella and rushes at some pigeons or some seagulls or something. Seagulls, And the gulls crash the plane, basically. Um, yeah. 
And then India, uh, Sean Connery quotes Charlemagne and walks off looking proud of himself. And that's where... <laughs> I just remembered my Charlemagne. Yeah, I think that's the first moment that we see Indiana Jones be proud of his father in the movie. Up until I was going to ask you about that because mm. he, he does have a look. He just watches, like, his dad kind of saunters off with his umbrella on his shoulder, like, um, what's his name? Singing in the Rain. Oh, um, Gene Kelly? Gene Kelly, yeah, like Gene mm. Kelly, just like looking real pleased with himself. And, his, and Indy has this kind of like, holy shit expression. Mm. And I'm, I was, I was look, watching it and I'm trying to figure out what Harrison Ford is trying to show with that expression. Because I, I didn't find it um, very transparent. So what, what is, it? is it? Is this like, I, it, he could very well be thinking, I don't, I don't sure, I'm not, I don't think I really like this in my dad. Mm-hmm. like sure he you know saved us and that was a great bit of it. um intuition and um uh, improvisation that is usually a, tr- a hallmark of indiana jones's uh escapes but then he doesn't like watch henry walk away with a huge smile on his face like yeah you get him dad he's more like huh yes. i either didn't realize he was capable of this or uh well yeah i didn't realize he was capable of this and I'm either not too keen on it, like this is my shtick, I'd, I'd rather this be an escort mission where I've got to drag this useless, incompetent NPC around um, than, I would, than I would rather that we were equals. I, I don't know if uh, yeah, Indy really enjoyed that moment much. See, I take it as the opposite of that because for me, uh, up until this point, it has been a case of dad of him trying to get this buffoon this like this bumbling idiot it's like take this seriously right they're nazis they were being chased by nazis and you're not even interested right like you you don't you don't understand the stakes we're in germany and you want to go to berlin like take this seriously yeah right to the lion's den yeah yeah and but that's the moment for indy where he sees I think the first moment where he sees his father as something other than a burden to me. That's the moment he's... Okay. He, yeah, that's when um, he can see some of himself, maybe some of himself in there. But also, something, as you're saying about that thing about being equals, Indiana Jones on his own would have died in that scene because he wouldn't have thought to have thrown the birds into the air. And yeah. so it's not... Not only is his father not the useless, uh, bumbling fool that he thought he was, um, he's got something more to contribute as well, and he has a different way of thinking about the world. And I think that yeah, I think that's a really, a really awesome choice there. Where in a modern movie would have been Indiana Jones cocks open his pistol. He's got one bullet left. He carefully aims and snipes the pilot with his revolver and it explodes. And his dad's like, all of that with one shot? And you'd be like, oh, <laughs> this sucks, right? But I think I think that's a, that's a really cool moment. Yeah, um, I think it's a great moment. I think it's important, like you say, for, for Henry not to be a burden the entire time mm-hmm. and to show uh, that he is capable of uh, contributing. Yeah. But um, yeah, I was, I was, I'm glad um, I brought it up because I can see, I can see what you mean, and I wasn't sure on first viewing, but you're probably right. Well, that's true. Yeah, and it does, it develops too, <laughs> because then when later, later on, 
when we're on the tank sequence we spoke about earlier mm-hmm. um initially indy again is just sort of te- uh, treating his uh dad like um like carry on and um when he wants to run in to rescue marcus from the tanks he, he's there with uh, indy's there with his dad and with salah and he wants his dad just to stay put just stay here i'll go do the rescue then i'll I'll get some horses yeah. and we'll come back and get you and then we'll fuck off. Um, Indy, you know, goes off to do his thing, but then Henry decides he's going to get involved too. And then he's the one who does most of the rescuing of Marcus. Like he, he somehow yeah. gets onto the, into the tank yeah. and they, and, he, and he's like, it's a rescue old boy. Um, and then Marcus becomes the bumbling psychic character yeah. in the, in the twosome. So we're used to seeing Indy and his dad have that dynamic, and that dynamic stays the same, except now Henry is the Indy character and Marcus yeah. is the the Henry character. And I think that's that's cool. It shows that um, Henry is more than just the scholar who's there to get in the way. Like he can be a bit more like Indiana Jones than we thought, and maybe some of this, some of Indian Indy's um, prevalence and predilection for for violence and adventure mm. and being a hero maybe did come from his dad after all or the opposite and that henry has been inspired by indy despite seeming disapproving previously um maybe he got a little bit of a taste Mm. of action with the seagulls thing and now he's like yeah i can see the value in this now and i'm gonna help i'm not just gonna sit and be rescued i'm gonna do the rescuing yeah i think we've we've missed what may actually be the defining moment of their relationship in this. And we, we spoke about maybe it's when um, Indy's fallen off uh, with the tank and they think he's dead um, and we get to see his father open up. But I think the the defining point of their relationship is the bit that made me unintentionally laugh out loud. Well, I sent you a message as well saying, see if you can spot the bit where I unintentionally laughed out loud. And um, it's they, they've got the Holy Grail They've healed, um, they've healed Sean Connery, and then Nazi woman picks up the Grail. Elsa picks up from Frozen, picks up the Grail, and <laughs> and she's like, "It's ours, Indy. Yours and mine. Don't you see what this is? We'll be, you know, we're gonna, we'll be rich." And then she steps over the seal that the knight said, "Don't go over the seal with the Holy Grail because it'll yeah, ruin she everything." Was there. She was in the room, but she does it anyway. And Indy's like, don't step over the seal. So she does. And then the floor starts to crack open. And the bit that makes me laugh is the the, the crack kind of forms through the middle of the seal. And we obviously need the Nazi lady and the Holy Grail to become imperiled. So what the actress does is jump directly in the middle of this crack. And I thought it was the funniest thing in that movie. Because it's supposed to look like, oh no, the ground is shaking and I'm being thrown in, in this, but it doesn't. She is clearly being told, now if you just jump into the gaping maw, then uh, <laughs> it, it's ridiculous. Anyway. She practically bats the grave, uh, yeah. the grail into, the, yeah. into it as well. Yeah, it's yeah, the worst, it's like, it's oh, the the grail worst has fumble to... I've ever seen. Uh, yeah, it's t- <laughs> if that was on the American football field, she is not getting picked next week. She's not starting, that's no for sure. Um, but <laughs> She falls down in into the gaping maw, as does the Grail, because she threw it down there, and she leapt and she leapt into the hole. But Indiana Jones saves her, 
and she um he's like give me give me both your hands and i can pull you up but she looks down and she sees the grail and she's like i can reach it right i can i can get the grail and then we'll have the prize and her greed and her selfish nature um means that indy can't keep hold of her and she she falls to her death then indy all tumbles in after her in trying to rescue her and ends up in exactly the same situation he can he's, he can see the grail he can almost reach it but his dad has him by the hand and his dad who dedicated his entire life who dedicated his the, his relationship with his wife who died she knew that he was more obsessed with the grail than he was invested in her and her and their son his entire life's goal is falling down in front of him but he chooses his son over his life's obsession and that's i think the defining moment because he's he says to indy leave it right Let go yeah. yeah because if this was the beginning of the movie it would have been indiana jones is trying to get up and his dad's like no the grail get the grail right yeah. like if if this had taken place like a month before then his his dad would have been like no you have to get it that's my life my life is there right in front of me, you know, at, at the sign of God that he tells his son, leave it. And they, you that know, might they, still they be true. What you're just saying, my life is in front of me, like evidence of God. Yeah. That's yeah, true. It's Indy. Yeah. He's there. Yeah. Like his, how yeah. he felt about the grail is what he realizes is how he feels about him. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I think that's, that's like the defining moment of their relationship. Like that's the one, the emotional one of the emotional beats, and it's also a great beat for Indiana Jones, because if we forget Temple of Doom, really, because that was supposed to be a prequel anyway, the yeah. char- the character arc of Raiders till now is the the story of Indiana Jones versus the Nazis, right? But the the Nazis also kind of substitute uh, greed and lust for power. And, like, they didn't have to be the Nazis. Nazis are just perfect villains. But Indiana Jones, in Raiders of the Lost Ark, refuses to destroy the Ark of the Covenant. Because it's the Ark of the Covenant, right? He's like, and and I'm going to get the Ark of the Covenant. He could destroy it to keep it out of the hands of the Nazis, but he refuses. And in the end, the Nazis destroy themselves anyway, because as with Elsa... In any Spielberg Spielberg movie, those who lust for power and lust for greed are doomed by it. Like it's it's Jurassic Park, it's you know the Nazis in Indiana Jones, it's that 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 same Spielberg kind of trope. Um, but Indiana Jones won't destroy the Ark of the Covenant, but he, it's only when his father tells him, this is not the most important thing, that he is willing to he's willing to let it go. Um, and he does. Yeah. And yeah, that's, that's that kind of circle complete of their relationship. I think that's, yeah. Yeah. That, yeah that's, that's true. He does learn from his father in that respect. Mm. Cause he, he never re- even wanted to go after the grail in the first place. No, he says you've got the, the wrong rich... Jones. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. When the, yeah. jo- the thing, he comes after him and uh, yeah, the rich Donovan guy, which by yeah. the way, I was watching this with my girlfriend and she'd never seen it before. And as soon as like Donovan was there and and he was you know showing Indy the tablet and was telling him about the mission, she was like, "He's going to be the bad guy." <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "Really?" I th- I think maybe she's just like you know spoiled 
as a modern film viewer that yeah. it seems obvious now and uh, she did pick up on it very quickly uh, credit to her but um yeah you've got the wrong jones the only reason he goes on this quest is because his dad is was the first mm-hmm. choice and was um you know brought on board but has gone missing so he's not really interested in the grail as much as he is in finding his dad which yeah. actually thinking about it is kind of antithetical to his character i suppose he might have just as an equal interest in recovering antiquities as he does yeah. in rescuing his dad who's in peril. Yeah, but he but, gets um, very into the Grail search when they're in Venice. Like, to begin with, he's like, I don't yeah. really know anything about the Grail. Like, I don't even know if it if it exists in, in truth. But then once they're in Venice and they're in, in that church trying to find the X marks the spot moment, like, yeah. Indiana Jones is into this. Right, he like, smashes the floor of yeah. like a thousand-year-old church yeah. just because he's got a hunch that this is where yeah. we need to be. And the number of times he has, uh, it's like a, a classic, uh, to me, classic Indiana Jones moment where he's with he's with um, Elsa and Marcus, and it's a classic. Don't you know what this means? Moment, which is, I'm so excited and clever, and I'm a super genius who just worked this out, and you haven't caught up to it yet. And yeah. that's it's uh, yeah this kind of enth- enthusiastic arrogance. Don't you know what this means? Like I understand what this means, but wh- why are you two so slow? And the only <laughs> the only person who can keep up with Indiana Jones is his dad, which is why you know Marcus is kind of an embarrassment. Like, uh, but when his dad comes into his own, yeah, they're they're a great team. Those yeah two. yeah they are, and that's yeah and. Um, it's the when uh, I think it's when Indy rescues his dad, and uh, they he mentions that he's figured out the city because uh, his dad had drawn the map mm. of how to get from an unknown location to the to, grail. to the the canyon of the crescent moon to the yeah. grail, but he just didn't know where to start. And when Indy comes in and says Alexandretta, we we figured out Alexandretta. The joy in Henry's face, he's yeah. like, of course. Yes, yeah. and they bond even though they've not spoke barely spoken in 20 years they both get excited about this thing they're like elsa says giddy giddy giddy's a schoolboy yeah uh, and uh i think she repeats that doesn't she when um, yes. indy's doing like the 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 rubbing on the uh the shield of the the knight underneath the, the underneath that church there giddy is a schoolboy so yeah. they do have they have so much in common that it's it's strange that they were so estranged for so long. Mm. If you take it, don't take into consideration kind of the emotional neglect that may have uh, occurred <laughs> throughout his childhood. Yeah. So jumping on to uh, how this connects us to uh, to our parents and yeah, how do you see yourself and your relationship with your dad in Indiana and Henry Jones? Did you have a hiccup then? I did. I did. Like, it was a little bit of a fish finger sandwich, but oh, lovely. Mm. Um, I was. I don't know. I've, I think I can't. I don't find it easy to relate to their relationship. Um, in like Henry's, Henry is very much so focused on his own interests and his own endeavors and what he his life's work is mm-hmm. that he doesn't give more than a sort of a cursory cursor cursory a cursory <laughs> uh, uh attention to indiana uh, he raises he seems like he's trying he's raising more of a progeny than he does a son mm. 
um, as we've we've spoken about in previous episodes, where some of these fictional dads we've spoken about are all about the love. He that's the opposite with with Henry. He's 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 trying to impart. He seems like he's just trying to impart as much knowledge and thirst for knowledge in his offspring as possible without really bothering to raise a person, a human. Indy doesn't seem like a they're very personable to him. And I wonder what him, uh, what Indy's relationship with his mother was like. We know she's not in the picture, but for how long before... Um, uh, do we assume that in that prologue sequence that his mother doesn't isn't around then? Mm. Or she just happens to not be home? I suppose we, should, we have to kind of assume that she's already passed away at this point. Yeah. So... Him, uh, Indy's been without a dad mo- like his his entire adult life and most of his childhood um, and I, I've spoken about my dad before in that he kind of gave up his own personal endeavours and interests and passions for the sake of love and raising a family and being a good dad um, he was when I was quite young he was quite not absent but he was uh, working so much as a policeman that I don't I didn't see him like more than the, uh, during the week anyway I'd see him in the evenings and that was that was really it um, that was quite a short period in my childhood though so I don't really see it as being formative but the the, str- the strange kind of way that Indiana is both trying to seek approval from his father with his life and his choices and his career and also saying fuck you to his father mm-hmm. um, in his kind of shall we say extracurricular endeavours um, I can I think I can kind of relate to that in that I've always I've always wanted approval from my dad I think but more so in just my in in being a man than in any particular choices or anything that I made I think I've made selfish choices really throughout my life and a lot of them were aided by him either financially or just because he was supportive um but yeah I've I've never gone into anything that I thought he would he would have done if he was in my position, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. I, I would often seek his advice on things and if his advice didn't line up with uh, what I wanted to do, it probably wouldn't stop me doing what I wanted to do anyway. So I kind of, I, I can get that something of a rebellious streak, but yeah, Henry Henry and, and Keith don't have, a, don't have an awful <laughs> lot of similarities besides being tall and having silver beards and... Mm varying degrees of scottish heritage (laughs) that's that's good that's a good connection (laughs) we come from apparently we come from uh, a scottish clan called the mcclellan clan um whose motto apparently my dad did some digging was um while i breathe i hope oh that's nice well yeah i think that's really great and uh, my dad's side of the family isn't particularly diverse so I think Scotland is about as far as his his blood spreads. That's the weird sentence. Um, uh, so he's he's very proud of that Scottish part of his his heritage. Whereas my mum, you can go in any direction from where we are now, and you'd find mm. some relative of hers probably. Um, so yeah, I imagine I wonder if my dad would watch Sean Connery and look up to him. But uh, yeah, I'm afraid that's I'm afraid that's all I've got this this time, Dom. I think that's that's a pretty good one. I think, yeah. I think in for me, um, in in my relationship with my dad, I have 
My Dad is a lot of fun, which I can connect to the Sean Connery, uh, Indiana Jones relationship. And I'm not nowhere near as frustrated by my dad as as Indiana Jones is in his. Me and Dad have me and Dad get on really well and have a lot of fun every time we get together. So, um, yeah, I get that kind of that joy, those moments of joy that we see in Indiana Jones with with the two of them. I can I can definitely relate to that. Um, interestingly, if I can say that about myself, um, that dynamic between uh, Sean Connery and evil Indiana Jones. And how uh, Indy kind of becomes a hybrid of the two. Um, I can see in my relationship with my dad and my stepdad. In that they are literally two different father figures. Not just like a guy who gives me a hat and then disappears again. Um, But I can see bits of my personality, bits of my character. In terms of like my job, like... um, uh, I do a lot of creative stuff, which is more like my dad. But the creative stuff that I do mostly is comics, which comes from my stepdad. So, like, in terms of my creativity, it's definitely from my, my dad's side. But in terms of where my creative pursuits go, it's towards the, you know, the the area that my stepdad was interested in. Um, so, yeah, there's an, an interesting kind of, uh, kind of hybrid there. But I know mm. we're in a bit of a rush. I think it would be amiss of us to not mention the father of an Indiana that we both know very well. While <laughs> oh, we are of course. Here. Right, because uh, our, our good friend Elliot is the, the father of a daughter. So really, maybe we shouldn't be bringing this up at all. A daughter on, on daddy issues are ridiculous. No, uh, Elliot and Indiana are, are very good friends of us. And Elliot's a very interesting figure in, in in my life, at least. I don't know how it is you feel about him. Right, we can bitch about him now and I'll never know. Unless he listens. Um, he won't listen. Um, because when we first met Elliot, he was definitely more of a Han Solo type character. He was a, a lovable rogue. Yeah, in Pretty that much. he would lie about almost everything all of the time. And yes. Yes. He would. Yeah. And it would be like, oh, Elliot, have you seen this movie? Yeah, I've seen that movie. I love that movie. It's the best movie I've ever seen. What's your favourite bit? Um, Because he hadn't seen the movie. But he said that he liked it so that you would like him. Like like that. And um, Elliot was always very desperate for people's love and approval but hid it under the fact that he's a big, muscly guy covered in tattoos and um, has lots of... Well, at the time, had lots of sex with lots of different women. But again, because he needed somebody to love and approve him, right? And now that I've had this therapy about Elliot, I can say about his wonderful, amazing daughter, Indiana, who... How old is she now? Was was it her fifth birthday? I think. Embarrassingly, uh, I'm not sure. I think it was her fifth. Five no, or six. no, 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 no. It's in that It area. was her sixth. Her sixth I want to say birthday. 2014, yeah, so six. Yes, yes, her sixth birthday, yes. Yeah. Um, a few months ago. And she is wonderful. She is brilliant. She is my favourite child, possibly, on the planet. And I'm a teacher, so I know a lot of annoying children. And she is my... She is my, my favourite. Um, uh, and... 
one of the things that fills me with so much joy about uh, going to see them and visit them is the man that Elliot has turned into now that he is a father. Because he, I loved him back when we used to live with him, loved him completely, but God, he was a prick. <laughs> right and I, i'll say that full up like love him like a brother genuinely but he was you know he could be difficult for sure but now that he's a dad he's a res- he's a responsible father he's a he's a amazing provider uh he's he educates reads with her does does everything and as a single dad as well and he is an inspirational father, I think, and I'm incredibly proud to to have him as a friend. And I'm getting a little bit emotional. But um, we had to get some some fierce emotion <laughs> yeah. in this podcast somewhere. Yes. But but no, yeah, I I couldn't agree more. And it it affects me deeper knowing, like you said, where he's come from. Mm-hmm. And we kind of we do we've kind of witnessed a, a character arc, a development in yeah. in him yeah. that. And the the inciting incident seems to have been having his Indiana. Yeah. And <laughs> Dom's I'm crying. so emotional. And and yeah, and 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 getting to witness how he is trying to impart um what he has learned and his experience mm. and his wisdom on onto her. And um like like Henry Jones, I think he will demand a lot of her uh, yeah. educationally. I think he's he's made he made went to so many strides to get her into a really good school and mm-hmm. so she can have a best education and I feel like he has um, become more of a more of a scholar in his later years. He's always had had the brains, but I think his brains were directed elsewhere mm-hmm. when he was young when he was younger, and um, I think it, yeah, some insecurities probably. Um, took a lot of that attention away but yeah how he's bettered himself and educated himself i think will will uh, stand her in very in very good stead because yeah he'll uh he'll look after her for sure yeah and i think uh, yeah another thing for him as well is how having indiana has changed his relationship with his parents as well i think like he's got very interesting i've his mum is one of my favourite people as well, actually. I just love his family. <laughs> I think that the kings the kings are great. Um, but, I, yeah, I think being a parent has changed how he interacts with his parents and even wanting to interact with his parents. Um, and, yes, yeah, it, Indiana is uh, an, amazing, an amazing kid, very cheeky, far too intelligent for her own age. Um, yeah, she's beaten beaten the two of us at multiple games, intelligence games. Um, That's true. Yeah, and yeah, could not be could not be more proud of of both of them really. But that's enough of the soppy stuff. <laughs> uh, do you have any idea what you'd like to do for the next episode? Uh, no. <laughs> do you? Hmm. You're, you're, you're much. You come up with a lot of these suggestions. I'm not sure if we've done more than one that was my idea. Yeah, it's your turn. That's not not a complaint of mine. That's not a complaint at all. You you tend to pick good ones. Uh, Maybe I'll go away and and I'll come up with with something good, but um, we'll see what we come up with. 
Okay, well, if any of the 12 of you who have listened to... Well, if any of the one of you, which will be my dad, who has listened to the end of this episode... Um, I should say Alex Archer, my father, is a regular listener. And I don't know if oh, I've mentioned this before, but I get continuous messages after we do this, like, do you really think that about our relationship? Like, after the last one, he was like, I just listened to it, and you said something that was a little bit negative, and I don't, I just want to make sure that our relationship is okay. <laughs> oh, that's, oh, bless him, that's so yeah. sweet. I was like, yeah, yes, Dad, I love you, Dad. Okay, Dad, like that. He's great. I'm not sure, I, my, my dad will never listen to these, um, I think partly because he's very busy and I don't know how he'd find the time to just sit down and spend an hour and a half or however long this one ends up being <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, listening to me talk about popular culture. Um, <laughs> I think my mum might have listened to one of our early ones, but uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I think I'm pretty safe. I can say what I want and no one's ever going to go, What'd you, why did you say that about me? Yeah, well, in that case, love you, Dad. Thank you for listening. And if you have any suggestions... I love suggestions... you too, Alex Archer. Thank you so much. Oh, that's a lot of love. It's a lot of love going around today. If anyone has any suggestions for future episodes, then put it in the comments below and, and we will do it. Um, I'm dying to do our first uh, listener-suggested episode. So that would be that, good, yeah. Yeah, when that comes in, that'll be great fun. Uh, so thank you for listening uh, rest in peace Sean Connery legend of the silver screen and see you next time bye adios <laughs> <laughs>